Welcome to Camera Shake Podcast, episode 104. And uh, as always, be reminded, if you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, you know, just be reminded that you can not only listen to our sultry voices, but see our lovely faces in full Technicolor over on YouTube as well. Now, you know, other than that, join us um, on Facebook. We have a brand new group. Um, if you search for Camera Shake Podcast group. Um, and we're on TikTok as well. And we've got some interesting videos coming out there as well. So anyway, that being said, this is Camera Shake Podcast episode 104. 104, and we're not in the same place. <laughs> Back where we started again. Is, is it the COVID? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a accumulation of time, teeth, and the uh, hybrid car. That's the best I could come up with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but don't really teeth, man. I, I've just literally just come back from the dentist. It's been, well, actually, to be honest, it hasn't been too bad, you know. Um, but uh, half my face is still anesthetized. So, yeah. If and I start drooling. Well, there's nothing un unusual about that. Um, well, and if that isn't a reason to watch the whole episode on YouTube just to see me drool, then I don't know <laughs> yes, what is. It's true. And in post, I'm just going to make your cheek look just a little bit larger than it really is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Luckily, there's no swelling, but it's, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm starting to get the feeling back now. So I had a, a wisdom tooth out a couple of years ago, three years ago, something like that, like last one. And... The guy who did it, like local to me, um, never been to him before to have that kind of thing done. And he just put knee down and he said, right, I'm going to start now. And I'd had one out previously, you know, yanking at it, moving it around, all of that kind of stuff. It took bloody ages. But this guy, I, I thought he'd done something just to me, you know, and I thought he was going around just the other side of me just to change position to come at it from a slightly different angle. And he said, all done. I was. I didn't think he'd done anything at all. Mm. Absolutely outstanding. Couldn't believe it. No pain afterwards. <laughs> nothing at all. Oh, great. Absolutely brilliant. And yeah, I was uh, flu -lu 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 <laughs> for about eight hours afterwards. Mm. Well, did you have all four wisdom tooth pulled out individually? Or? I only ever got the top tooth through, and right. I had one out a few years ago because it was causing me, giving me bother. It's like it was bunching up my top teeth too much so it was like rubbing on the side they were impacted as well so it was causing me a bit of jet once that was gone the other one didn't cause any problems at all that yeah. pain had all subsided but then because it was impacted it was difficult to clean so it, it basically started to rot and so he said yeah you should probably have it out so all right then come on then let's do it oh man i had i had all four taken out at the same time when i was 14 maybe something like that mm. That was not fun, man. No, that was not fun. In fact, the and I bet you, and that would have been back at a time where uh, I don't know they weren't as good at it. They're a bit more rough. They did you have to go into hospital for it? No, no, no. It was at a, a orthodontist, you know, yeah. um, or jaw surgeon, as as they call it in Germany. Um, and wow. uh, you know, and the thing is, like he had this thing where basically he went, "Well, um, we're going to do local uh, anesthetics because." You know, because there's, if they put you under, there's a certain risk involved with that. And they basically thought that was necessary. Mm -hmm. So, so it was all local. And, um, and so he had this thing where he said, like, well, you know, if you listen to music, like on headphones, uh, during the surgery, then you're distracted and it won't be half as bad and, you know, all that. Um, and so on the way 
to the surgery, we stopped at this, you know, record store, basically. And I was, I was looking at a Walkman at the time. Remember tapes? A Walkman. A Walkman, yeah. And so um, I was looking for some album, just, you know, anything. I was so nervous. You know, I wasn't really very selective. And the only thing they had pretty much in the store was uh, Whitney Houston. Like, I want to dance with somebody. Do you remember that album? Mm-hmm. And I just went, all right, that'll do. I don't care. Like, you know. Um, anyway, so I listened to that whole album for, I mean, I don't know. I can't remember how long the surgery lasted, maybe an hour or so. And um, so I listened to through the whole album. And, you know, and the thing is, like, when somebody's doing something, inside of your head you can still hear it like yeah. internally you know and so he had to like drill through my jaw on one side you know and then uh he had to basically use a little circular saw to cut one of the wisdom teeth into like four pieces because oh, it was like gosh. so awkwardly embedded in my jaw or whatever you know and uh, and so I, you know i could hear all of that going on and at the same time all i could see where you know him and the assistant all like masked up and everything and i could just see blood splatter out of my mouth you know blah blah and so um so that's that was my experience right and then the thing is though ever since then whenever i hear whitney houston's voice i start to get phantom toothache <laughs> oh yeah, I remember this because there was a time where I just wouldn't stop playing that in the car once. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so it's, you know, it's a weird, obviously it's like some weird psychological thing, but I always, you know, whenever I hear Whitney Houston songs, um, I always associate that with, you know, toothache and having my wisdom teeth removed. So I don't know. Just, oh, you know, that's funny. It's one, one of the things I try and avoid in the house is having any Whitney Houston tracks mm. playing. Mm. <laughs> But, you know, on, on the flip side, though, I mean, I was, you know, I was hamster face for about a week, you know, because my, my face was like swollen up on, on both sides. Um, but then at least, you know, after that, you're done with it. Yeah. Like, you're never going to have to revisit that chapter ever yeah. again, you know, because they're all gone. So in, in some respects, it was, you know, mm -hmm. it was worthwhile. But in others, you know, it wasn't, I don't know. I haven't had many surgeries in my life, and I was, that was probably the most traumatic one. Mm. All right, I'm feeling a bit sick now, so uh, let's let's move on. <laughs> I'm feeling sick too because I haven't actually eaten anything since this morning. Since I knew I had to, you know. And the the funniest thing is, you know, I mean, the reason why I went to the dentist today was because um, I lost a filling, and uh, and and I lost the filling. The filling came out whilst I was eating ice cream, like literally soft ice cream. That was it. It didn't even take any anything hard to bite on or anything like that. It was just ice cream. That's it. That's what she said. Yeah. So, you know, um, yeah, I mean, in, in many, you know, again, at least I could feel it, you know, and I could, I like, I felt sort of, I don't know, there was some kind of suction effect or something like that. And then, um, uh. I, you know, I could sort of sense the, the filling in my mouth a little. So yeah, anyway, there you go. All fixed now. All good. <laughs> 190 pounds later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> back. Don't know, there'll be uh, secret expenses there somewhere, no doubt. Man, I want to be a dentist. Like, yeah. at, the, at that rate, you know, that guy's making like 600 pounds an hour. I'm like, because I was in there for about 20 minutes. So, you yeah. know, happy days. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. All right. So, yeah, what else is happening? What's been happening on, on your end? What's that? What's been happening on your end? 
Um, I had a couple of days off. Um, went up to up 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 to north, um, and uh, visited uh, my girlfriend's family. But did a job while I was up there. Funny enough, um, cool. uh, filmed a, a band performance on on Friday night, which was cool. in. Intri- it was good. Actually, great band. Really great band. Um, mm. uh, however. And this, you know, it's being done as a, a bit of a favor as well. So I, I didn't have much information about the situation that it would be in. I didn't have much information about the audio. So I took what I could to prepare, given that I could only take a very limited amount of stuff too. Hmm. And so the idea was to just go two cameras set up either side and we'll just, you know, one will just stay static and one I'll operate. Hmm. And then I'll switch lenses on them switch sides and then operate the other side as well for the second set so just mixing it up a little bit intent not to use the entire concert intent just to chop up what they might what they might might want and figured that that's going to be sufficient for what they want to use it for right now great what i didn't know was how small the venue was going to be oh sure and uh how little lighting there was and that the dance floor was miniature, which means even just you know six or seven or eight so eight people on there meant that there was literally no view to be had <laughs> anymore. <laughs> so solved the lighting issue beforehand. I managed to talk to them. It's going to look better if you can get some a some kind of lighting out front and some lighting back onto you, so you're not basically silhouetted. Um, you need that, so kind of corrected that. Ultimately, it looked great. It looked, it actually really looked nice. Um, the audio is going to be great. Got them to multi-track it too, because they're all mic'd up. So, well, just connect your laptop and got that. So that's great. Um, first set is going to look great either side, all good. Second set, unusable. Can't see anything. Gave up a few songs in. Couldn't see anything. Wasn't <laughs> just a nightmare. <laughs> but. They will still get what they need out of it, which is so. It was, it was a bit of fun, a um, little bit of you know tweaking and adapting to the situation a little bit when you're there. But I went into it knowing that um, I didn't know much about it, and so you you know you just got to flex a little bit. All good. That's good fun. I think um, the main thing to consider if you go up north, you know, it's like, did you understand what they were saying? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Very. Very. Yes. It's quite clear. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my problem. You know, the further north I, I, I go in the UK, um, the less of a pl- uh, of a clue I have. You know, when people start talking, I'm like, I have no idea what you said. Yeah. I guess there are only certain areas which are tricky if you've got a very strong accent from that area. Otherwise, no, nah, I've, I've never really had an issue. Hmm. Right, yeah. yeah, it's just, uh, yeah. It's funny. I mean, you know, it's funny when you go, I don't know. I mean, it's the same thing is true, though. If you go you know, to like Wales or something, like when people start talking in the, in the valleys, mm-hmm. you know, no clue. Yeah. It's no good. Uh, I mean, no, I don't, I don't have that issue at all. Um, I, I actually really like most Northern accents as well. Uh, not all of them, <laughs> <laughs> not all of them, but most of them. <clears throat> so here's the thing. If you're listening to this, um, and you live, let's say in the, in the States or in Canada or something, what is your favorite British accent, or did you even realize there are different British accents? Um, because I didn't really realize that before I moved to the UK. 
but uh, you know since i've since i've lived here i've yeah i have painfully been made aware of that obviously so you know do you have a favorite a favorite british accent you know let us know it'll be interesting little thing to put in the group so you know uh hit us up in the in the facebook group and uh, you know let us know what your favorite british accent is yeah. maybe we'll put that on next time <laughs> we'll just pretend yeah 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 that's cool man so I'll, I'll probably put that together next week at some point. I'm still waiting for the multi-tracks to come through. Um, mm. And, <coughs> excuse me. Um, yeah, yeah, it should look, should look uh, pretty decent. Um, I think that I've, I've been getting loads of little bits done over this past um, week. A lot of backup happening. Because mm. I, I use multiple SSDs for like working SSDs, so to speak. And then I back up mm. when a project's complete. Um, well, I back up to a NAS as I'm working on a project. So that's mm. so I've got two of everything constantly. And then when a project's complete, it comes off the NAS, comes off my working hard drives, and then gets backed up to the cloud. Mm. So that's always there. So that's that's my general sort of process. So I had to do a load of backups of all of my I've got several terabytes of SSDs now totally full with ongoing projects. Yeah. Um because I'm, I, I don't know, shooting with more cameras these days, all exclusively 4K rather than any 1080p, I guess is part of the reason too. Some longer um, events that have been happening recently too that are just mm. there. And I don't get rid of them off the working drive until a while after the project is complete because there's always a few revisions that need to happen, right? So. Yeah. Um, I wait as long as I can until I really need the space just in case. Mm. And it's kind of a rolling kind of project basis like that. So I've had to do a load of that to free up some space uh, last few days. It takes longer than you think <laughs> to start yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. to pull, pull all that stuff out. Um, but it's quite nice in Resolve um, to do that with video projects. Um, you have a, because it's set up a bit differently, you have a kind of a database on your, your home screen, if you like, of all your projects. And it's literally a matter of right-clicking and export project archive. No matter where your files are sat, even though I put them all in the same place, every so often there'll be an image that you've pulled in or an, uh, a sound effect or something like that that hasn't quite made it onto the hard, your working hard drive and sat yeah. somewhere on your internal hard drive. It pulls all that in as well yeah. um, and consolidates well, it all, which is nice. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's one of the habits of gotten into is actually to copy everything over into the project um you know mm -hmm. container in final cut you know what i'm using <clears throat> any kind of foley sounds or music or anything that i you know that i use repeatedly basically yeah you know rather than leaving it in in the original file i sort of pull that into the yep. actual folder that i'm working on or to the you know the library that's it um so that it saves it all into one place so when if in the distant future, if I open that project up again on a different computer, there won't be any missing files. That's it. But it doesn't do it automatically. It's something I have to, I had to kind of get into the habit of doing, basically. So it Resolve doesn't do it automatically when you're just working on a project. It will leave it mm -hmm. wherever you've pulled it in from until you go to export an archive, and then it will pull it all in. Right. And actually all it's doing is it creates an archive folder, and the folders within it match where they were originally so right, if you've okay. got like external hard drive uh project one video and then all your video files and then you've got a sound effect on internal hard drive 
documents, folder one, folder two, whatever, yeah. and then your sound effect file, when it creates a project archive, that same folder structure will exist within that project archive. Mm. Um, it's just the way, rather than putting it all into one specific folder, it keeps the same folder structure, which is mm. if you always have a specific folder structure like i do all my cameras are always separated my audio is always separated into a separate folder um sound effects into another images into mm. another um stuff like yeah. that it keeps that which is i don't know if all software does that i'm guessing they probably do it makes sense to do it that way um so that's nice that's, that's how i do it anyway yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean you know i had a not too long ago i had a look at a project a Final Cut project that I did years ago, years ago. And I think I was looking for a particular, I think it was actually a sound effect that I was looking for. And I knew that it must, must have been in this, in this project file. And so I thought, you know, for, for shits and giggles, I'll just load that project up and have a look. And actually it's, it, it was hilarious because I had zero structure. It was literally everything was in one folder. <laughs> Yeah, all the files, yeah. video, audio, music, you know, fully anything, anything and everything, you know, um, stills, all sorts of different additional files, all in one thing. And, uh, you know, so I can I can honestly say I'm quite proud of myself as to how I structure my, my folder tree now whenever I start a new project <laughs> with Final Cut. You know, the, it's, the important part thing is to do it the same every time. Yeah. So you always exactly. know where to look. And whether it's the tiniest project like our weekly podcast episodes, they're tiny projects. They got, mm. they're long, but they're the content of it, the different attribute um, sort of files that are in it. There's, ve mm. there's very, very, very few. Yeah. So you know, but I still try and keep the same folder structure because it's just consistent, and I always yeah. know where to look for anything. Then exactly, and that's I mean that's that's actually the same. Where, you know, when I'm doing anything with stills, like you know, the post production process, and no matter what I'm like you know, no matter what I'm doing, I'm always keep the same structure yeah. in that as well. So, you know, whether that's, you know, the, the raw files, for example, um, then edit files, you know, edit versions of, um, of an image, you know, as I'm editing it in the process and I create different versions yeah. of it and then the finals that I actually use. Yeah. So that and gives me an idea, actually, um, you know, there's two things in this, like backing your files up, um, which I know that you and me have very different ways of backing our stuff up. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, how to create folder structures within projects. We should probably devote an entire episode to either one of these yeah. topics, because actually there's, there's quite a lot in that. And uh, especially backing up your files is so important, it, you know, to get it, that right. It's the most critical thing you can be doing. And, you know, there, there may be people out there go, oh, I don't really back up. I've never had an issue. And that's great. And you're very lucky. Until you have, until it's you only, have an It's issue. only a problem when you do have an issue. And trust me, yeah. it's going to happen one day, whether that's you accidentally not realizing you've imported that footage from that SD card yet. I know someone on this this uh, this video <laughs> who's done that before. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> has happened. Or, you know, it's going to happen. Or your hard drive is just going to fail and yeah, it's, i've yeah. had hard drives fail yeah i know you have and, and the thing is like you know it's, it's it's so important to have a backup plan or several backup plans because in the words in the immortal words of mike tyson everybody's got a plan until he gets punched in the face <laughs> it's 
Precisely. Who knew how, <laughs> how much wisdom that man had? Exactly. So, you know, I mean, I've, I've, I've certainly learned that the hard way right. is to have a backup plan or you know, several backup plans. On the surface, it's a boring topic. I actually, I actually love it. I, I, I find it really interesting and fun to work out a, the most efficient way to back stuff up because I know I've got to do it and no one wants to do it. So you've got to make it as pain free as possible. Exactly. You know? So I, yeah. you know, I won't go into any, I've, there are other things that I do, but I won't go into more detail because we all will dedicate um, some time to this in the future. Yeah. And we'll go, we'll go into that in a bit more detail. Yeah. I mean, interesting thing. So what has been happening? Well, uh, for me, it's been headshots um, as of late. So I've done a number of, a number of those yet again. Um, but in the process of, of doing that, actually, I took this as a, uh, an opportunity to, to, to recreate um, some of my Photoshop actions that I use a lot. That's a good idea. You know, so so when I'm uh, when I'm editing something, um, especially with you know with portraits, there are certain things, certain processes you use a lot. You know, uh, one is frequency separation, for example, and um, you know, and, and similar things. So this this is stuff that you use a lot. Or like uh, for instance, we talked about the fl the flambean technique um, in one of the uh, previous episodes that's a technique i use pretty much whenever i shoot interiors in buildings you know dodge and burn is another uh, process where there's i mean it, there are x amount of different ways that you could do it but you know wh whichever dodge and burn technique you prefer there are certain steps that you can turn into a photoshop action which is essentially just a preset. You click a button, it creates all the layers for you. It sets everything up so that you're ready to go. So really, you don't have to do all of that work every time. And so I've just taken, you know, the last few days as an opportunity to just rejig um, some of the Photoshop actions um, that I use a lot. And in the process, I've actually changed, just, you know, just mentioned frequency separation. Um, I've sort of changed the, the way I structure that a little bit so I can be a little bit more refined with that technique as well. Um, and I then, and also I split that up into eight bit and 16 bit yep. images because actually, uh, from a technical perspective, the way you set things up, uh, in Photoshop, uh, varies quite dramatically between eight bit and 16 bit images when it comes to this particular technique. So I kind of thought it might, you know, make sense to have separate actions depending on what kind of image yep. I'm working on. Yeah. Yeah. So, and Absolutely. again, it's a bit geeky, but actually, it was super fun, and of course, it saves me tons of time. Um, in you know, from here and then. So, and, and at, the, at the very least, and, and that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's saving time for stuff that you do all the time. What's the point in spending, even if it's only a couple of minutes or five minutes, setting this up, having to? All right, do I? If you haven't done it for a week, uh, is it that first or that first? You don't have to just get it bloody set. And it's done. It's done. It's like recording them. A macro yeah. in Excel. It's exactly the same principle. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, just if you if you add up the time that it takes to to set all these processes up, you know, create the layers, uh, create masks, blah blah, this and that and the other, you know, set up different things. Um, so let's say, for instance, that takes a minute, you know, for argument's sake, in a given project. So, for instance, you know, if I'm doing a typical headshot, I, I use two or three of those processes. So let's say that's three minutes per headshot. You know, I've just done um a series of i think eight headshots or something like that that's three times eight that's 24 minutes that i've actually saved myself yeah. on this particular one just action yeah so it's totally worth doing that once you start work you know once you start using those techniques a lot yeah 
um, again, you know, frequency separation is a really interesting thing. Um, it, you know, you can you can use that in so many different ways, and uh, and actually, um, you can really go into the fine detail with that, or you can make it a quick fix almost, depending on you know mm-hmm. what you need at a time. So, um, it's, again, it's one of these things we could probably devote a whole you know a whole episode to that technique um, on its own, but um, it's something I use all the time. I mean, virtually with every headshot or portrait shoot that i do yeah you know yeah no that's cool um i'm really <coughs> i'm really lax at my actions in, in in photoshop i have to say but then i'm not in there nearly as much as i am in resolve for for yeah. example right um, not even close so because i do it less frequently i guess partly i like to rem- I, the, the time isn't as important to me in that aspect just for me um, but partly I like to redo those actions to remind myself how to do them. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so easy to forget. <laughs> yeah. But you know, there's, there's certain things, for example, um, like touch and burn is a good example. I mean, it's really easy. There's no, it's not hard at all. Yeah. There's nothing, I mean, there's nothing complicated about that. Um, and again, there are a number of different ways that you could do it. You can do it with a 50% gray layer and, uh, use the, you know, dodge and smooth tool, um, or the dodge and burn tool even in, um, um, in Photoshop, you know, a lot of people do that. Um, I like to use curves. Me too. You know, so so ultimately you set up two um, two layers, two curve layers. One where you just pull um, the midtones up by about a stop, um, and one where you pull them down by about a stop, and then you create um, black masks for either one, each each one of those, and then you essentially just paint. You know, you're dodging or burning in with a brush, and it's I find that. If it works for me, I just like the process. Um, I like the fact that I can separate the dodging and the burning. And um, and I also like the fact that I can then fade each each one in and out, basically, yeah. depending on how yeah. I do it. And also with the brush, you know, in addition, it gives you the flexibility to um, to change um, the flow on a brush or, mm-hmm. you know, to change your passage on a brush so that, that you can treat different bits differently and stuff like that. So, I mean, you know, it just works for me. I like I like working like that. Um, and then, of course, it gives you the opportunity at the end to go into that layer and then change the layer opacity so that you can bring the whole effect more to the forefront or you can dial it back a little bit, which which I typically do, actually. I probably dial it back by about 50% or so, something like that, anywhere around that. Um, and you can, again, you can do that separately for the dodging and the burning. So you treat the shadows and the highlights separately mm-hmm. in that respect. And so you can kind of balance it, you know. Um, and, oh, yeah, that's just a thing to do and so you know set i mean setting that whole thing up it's not complicated it's just creating two curve layers you know changing the curves creating black masks that is pretty much done and relabeling the, the the layers it's not a lot of hassle it's not difficult but why would i want to do that every time because i will, use yeah. that technique on every headshot and every portrait yeah. i do you know and not only that i mean you use it on also actually yeah, i use it on pretty much everything that i do i mean yeah it's gonna be interior something interior right? shots you know, uh, buildings, whatever. Um, it's always something that I, that I use. And so you just clicking one button and it does everything for me. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> just guys, show you how, how many, just just in dodging, dodging and burning, how many different ways there are to do it. Because I, I use curves as well, but I don't adjust the curves at all. I just set one to screen and one to um, uh, ah. multiply. And 
that right? Multiply? Right. Yeah, it must be. Um, and then and and do it that way. Leave them at a hundred percent opacity, so it's just way over the top. So I actually see what I'm doing, and then I bring the opacity of those down to zero, and then bring bring them up one by one to wherever it feels about right. If that's twenty percent, thirty percent, well, I don't know. It depends on the project, but uh, yeah. and do it that way. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, it's another way. It's another way you could do it. Um, you know, using a fifty percent gray layer is is a very yeah. um, that's a very popular way of doing it. Uh, it's also again not a bad thing. I did, I used actually I used that method not too long ago, only a couple of days ago on something. Um, and it's also not bad. You know, um, it just depends on how you like to work. You know, yeah. again, as always in Photoshop, I mean, it's like fifty million ways of doing the same thing, and you just have to pick the one yeah. way that so, you prefer to do it. Totally. You know? Um, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, object removal is another thing, yeah. you know, there's, there's like, that's, although having said that, you know, over time I've, I've sort of, um, I've come up with my favorite ways of, of removing specific types of objects and using different tools for, for different jobs, because I feel that, um, I get the best results or it's the quickest using one technique over another. Mm-hmm. You know, so for instance, using the patch tool over uh, the spot removal brush or something like that, you know, occasionally um, will be a good example. A flyaway hair is a good example. You know, if you if you have, if you take a portrait of someone and you can some flyaway hairs, there's about 5 million different ways that you could remove that. Um, some methods work better than others. Like, for example, you could use, you know, a spot removal tool. Um, you could use... Um, you could use the stamp tool, you know, or you could use the patch tool. And for me, the way I work, because I need to be relatively fast, um, the patch tool is just, it just works the best. It's quick and um, and easy and the, the end results are usually pretty good. So, you know, um, and that's the thing, especially when you're working with, with um, a graphics pen or graphics tablet as well. Not fun, it just works. It works yeah. the best for me, but, you know. It's you talk to you talk to some you know you talk to another retoucher and they have other preferred methods and you know occasionally it pay I mean it pays off to pay attention to those sort of things because occasionally you come across something you go oh actually that makes sense yeah you know that's it um, again I mean frequency separation you know um, it's I I thought that I spent some time on actually refining the way I do things a little bit um, and I've you know I've come up with a number of of additional ways. Um, that I could, that I can use that technique, some additional tools that I can use within that technique. And so what that's led to is me just setting my layer structure up slightly differently um, from the way I, I used to do it. And it doesn't mean that I always use that method because in some of the stuff that I do, it might not necessarily be the need to be, to go in that complicated, you know, um, like, I mean, three S in a row, for instance, that's a really good example there's really no need to like spend hours on retouching no. the skin. That's not the point with right. that particular type of type of portrait. You know, it's about yeah knowing those methods, knowing which method to use in the right situ- kind of kind of situation, and using it with i either the quality of result or the speed in which you can get get through it. Yeah, exactly. And the only way you can determine that, and it might be, it'll be different person to person too. You know, you may find one technique is so much faster for me than another, and it might be vice versa for you because it's just the way we think about yeah. and work with stuff. So you just got to use them all, 
a few times over and over and just you'll start to know when to use them um and, and it greatly varies as to whether you're working with a mouse for example or whether you're working with right you know, yeah a graphics yeah. tablet that really makes a massive difference mm. um and you know that's that's what i found anyway when i switched from using the mouse um to you know retouching with a pen it made the world of difference and it's also changed the way i do things of course so it's you know it's interesting again yeah. you know it's something um if if Anybody listening thinks, uh, you know, that might be an interesting thing to do. We can definitely dive into or deep dive into the world of frequency separation, if that's of, um, of interest. You know, there are about a gazillion different videos on YouTube about this already. Um, but yeah, if if you like right. us to drop us a line, and we'll sure. definitely do that. Um, yeah. So that's, you know, that's basically what I've been up to. Now, that's... The oh, I'll tell you what. Actually, here's a funny thing. You love this one. Um. So, I went into my attic the other day, and other than realizing that it's really high time, you know, for me to spend some serious time and then sort that thing out, I also realized that this might be a really cool little den to create a little podcast studio or something of that ilk. How small yeah. is it? <laughs> oh, you can stand up in it. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can stand up, and it's boarded. So I mean, you can, how hot you know, is you can it? Walk. Hmm? How hot is it up there? Um, well, it's not actually that hot. I mean, I'd be, I'd be more worried about the cold. But there's a radiator up there. Okay. As in, like a plumbed-in, yeah, radiator, you know, connected to the central heating. We, we, both my wife and I have no idea why it is up there, but it is, and it's working. So, you know, so it could be that could be an interesting thing. Well, that's cool um, to do. You know, mainly because, of course, where I'm, where I'm sat right now, in these sort of situations where, uh, where we're, you know, remotely podcasting, for example, where I'm sitting right now, I'm literally in between the living room and so the dining area. So, you know, it, it means that everybody has to stay the hell away from where I am. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> otherwise, I really otherwise want you to be stuck up there now. Because for six <laughs> months of the year, in particular, you are going to hate it because it will be so hot. <laughs> Well, you know, <clears throat> it might be an idea to put a window in there, which also wouldn't be terribly difficult. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I just kind of, I had a chat with my wife about this just as an idea. And she goes, oh, that's a really good idea. I'm like, really? It's because it will get right. rid of you. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably what it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> of course it's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, you know, in all seriousness, I wouldn't mind that at all because it literally, it would, it could literally mean that, you know, I could do lots of different stuff up there. Um, without actually being in the way, you know, for everyone. So it does need quite a lot of work, though. So, do you know yeah. how many times you're going to fall asleep up there? <laughs> yeah, I might have a hammock in there. It's guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could put a hammock up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of, a, you know, I mean, from a space point of view, um, actually, the rear wall of it is, um, you know, it's the original brick wall, and it looks a little ramshackle it actually has a really cool look so i can really see that working as a backdrop you know, that's so cool actually actually right. yeah that could quite work well we'll have to go yeah, test that find out yeah but I mean, there must be you know there must be some drawbacks obviously i mean one of the things is you know i've got a hatch much like yourself we have like a hatch in the ceiling yeah getting um, up there's a pain right well i'm gonna you know you can get these pull down ladders yeah 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 so i'm gonna have to get something like that um, but that's, you know, that's, I guess it's just getting certain gear up there. could be a tricky. 
I mean, the vast majority of gear would basically be gear that would actually just stay up there. Yeah, yeah, true, true. You true. know, but it would be not too dissimilar to what we did with Learn Play Repeat, where we literally built a little set, so it'll just all be ready to go. Mm-hmm. You know, in <clears> the <throat> event, in the event of, um, so yeah, that could be cool. And you know, again, it wouldn't it'd be out of the way. So there's one other thing I want to raise or talk about today is that DaVinci have released the latest update to Resolve. So it's now Resolve 18. So they've moved on to a major new version. It's in beta yeah. still, as far as I know, but you can still download it if you want to. Um, but there's some cool new features. And I thought I'd just run through a couple of them because there, there could be some useful stuff um, moving forward for, for us and for anyone using DaVinci. Now, what I can't be sure of right now is what these feature, whether these features are in the free version um, as well as the studio version, but you'll just have to go check that out. So they're they're updating their the way they use the cloud. Um, so there's a whole varied bits and pieces there, but your ability to collaborate um, across the cloud now is significantly improved. Where you know, provided let's say you and I have the same video files, we can collaborate within Resolve on a project and work on it at exactly the same time as well. Oh, okay. Which is which is nice. Um, that's very very cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna run through these quite quite quickly. I might stop on a couple of them a bit more. Um, they're coming out with some enhanced um, sort of proxy workflows and offline generator uh, proxy generators as two which is what Adobe have been doing for ages anyway. So it's not, you know, they're just catching up there, I think, mm. really, more than anything else. Um, their way to manage media is improved. Um, you can remote monitor stream now. So you can send what you're looking at to, I believe, any monitor in the world. Okay. So that if you're working for a client in the States... And you need to do a session with them on, you know, on on your this particular edit. They can view it in real time with you, there and then, which is what you know how that differs to, say, doing it over Zoom or something like that. I don't know. We'll see. There might be some real benefits to it. There yes, might not. Let's hope the quality is better because you know. Well. This is probably what the major thing will will be about it. I, I'd, 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 I'd hope anyway. Um, uh, object masking masking is imp- is improved. So it's got some. They've every time they go through this, their AI, their inbuilt AI, just gets better, right? So it can disti- you know distinguish um, particular types of you know many more types of object. Let's say um, with with a lot of ease. Um, you know, it, it instantly um, picks out like animals, vehicles, people, stuff like that without really mm. thinking about it. And now it's added you know, a whole host of more types of objects. Um, now, this is a cool one. Automatic depth map. Okay. So you can load this in and it will and you, you can set thresholds as well. And it will detect how you know what depth a particular item or set of pixels are within that image so a person in the foreground a, an object in the midground and the background let's say and it will mask it won't actually mask it but it will mask what they are 
And you can set it in such a way so you can then apply your grade or effects to just a specific depth okay. of the image. So if you want, um, so if you, just, you know, you would key out um, like a person's skin and then do your grade on top of that. So they just in the simplest of terms, you could key out your skin and then on what's left, you could put your orange and teal look on it. Just for oh, right, so okay. you don't affect your skin yeah. tone. That's what you'd norm normally do. But with this now, you could <laughs> um, have nothing affect your foreground, your person, let's say, and your color grade affects everything else, the other, the rest of the depth of the image. It right, could okay. be that you just enhance the contrast on that front um, you know, level of depth, if you like, and not the rest and you know, reduce the mid-tone details, whatever it might be, you can just now apply these to specific depths of your image, which is very cool and has got so much potential. <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's a little bit like, you know, the new masking in, in Lightroom, mm -hmm. for example, where, you know... Yeah, you have but now being able to do it on video just, is... Yeah, great. It's brilliant. I, I can't wait to give that a proper proper cool. try. So did, did you say there's the beta version that's out now? Yeah, and then yeah. So I'm gonna, I'll hold fire. I could download it, but I won't. Um, unfortunately, Resolve doesn't allow you to have more than one version of Resolve installed. So mm. like Premiere Pro, for example, you can have every version of Premiere Pro installed. Mm. It doesn't overwrite it. They are completely independent. Whereas most programs, you do need to, you overwrite it basically, and that Resolve mm. does that. So I, uh, uh, you can't yet be sure that all your projects are going to work seamlessly in the in a beta version. So I'm just, I'd rather wait and not break anything. So is there any, um, any idea as to when the full version is going to be available? I'm guessing within the next few weeks. Okay. It won't be long. It won't be long. A um, couple other things that they've improved. So, um, uh, so track, uh, so their, their ability to track moving warped surfaces is now in there properly. So the example they're given, it's a, it's a good example um, if you wanted to, uh, you know, I'll read this one, it's probably easiest. So apply graphics to surfaces that warp or change perspective in dramatic ways, like t-shirts, flags, or the side of a face. The surface track is um, customizable mesh, follows the motion of a textured surface, then you can apply graphics or whatever it was to cover up logos, for example. So if there's a t-shirt logo, that's you know all ruffled up and whatnot. It can track mm. that properly, and you can replace it or get oh, rid of it. Okay, and it's just you know seamless. It's that type of thing, mm. um, which is very very cool. Um, so Resolve has had for a while kind of like a, a beauty effect, which will detect the face and skin and all of that, and do a bit of a a job on it. Let's say, um, so, is that's, that what you can see in every one of our episodes? Say that again. <laughs> Is that what you can see at work in every episode of the Camera Shake podcast? I yeah, yeah, and it's not powerful <laughs> enough for you. So, <laughs> so thankfully, it's been updated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously, it was needed. Um, uh, so it's it's yeah that that's massively improved. Um, they're talking about um, helps to address general imperfections by smoothing skin. And recovering detail as 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 well at the same time, um, yeah. I I don't know how that's how that much that differs. I, I don't actually use that um, effect very often, mm. um, so I'm not sure how much that's changed. 
Um, other general, you know, they've enhanced the subtitle features, um, transitions. You can now do 25 multicams at once um, if your machine can handle it. Um, improved YouTube and markers, that kind of stuff is in there. Um, ah, so this was always an issue. So if you were to add text that's these, not just your basic text, but anything that required f fusion, which is kind of their motion graphics and um, sort of engine, if you like, um, you would always need to render that section. It, it will do it all automatically, but you need to wait for it to render to be able to play it back smoothly. Mm -hmm. No more, which is very, very cool. Um, that's a big, that was a bit of a, an issue. It was a bit of a bug that, as far as I was concerned, but they just got around to fixing it, which is great. Um, Fairlight changes, which is their audio platform, um, has been changed. What I didn't know was that when Blackmagic bought DaVinci, and whenever it was, years and years and years, a few years ago now, um, they then bought Fairlight from, I think, a New Zealand or Australian company, and then integrated that. And they bought Fusion as well and integrated that. So that's actually how it kind of grew, which I, mm. I didn't really know until I read an article the other day. Um, other, uh, there's a whole host of changes within the audio space there. Um, neural engine acceleration, uh, bits around that. Atmospheric uh, simulation generates randomized noise data to replicate different types of atmosphere. A bit like generating clouds and stuff like mm -hmm. that, you know. Um, uh, edge detection is uh, being improved as well, and other things around uh, color space. And then they've uh, introduced the M1 Ultra um, uh, proper performance in there. So that's the M1 Ultra is what's yeah. coming in the um, the Apple Studio um, oh, yeah. Mac as well. And there's the list goes on, but they were some of the key key ones yeah. that um, struck my eye, which cool. would be fun to use. Well, I've got one little tacky thing. It's a rumor, though, so just to make that very clear right from the start, it's a rumor, albeit um, the rumor comes from a source that's, that's very usually, well, very close to the truth in the past. So this has to do with the next generation of the iPhone, the iPhone 14. Now, <clears throat> one of the biggest upgrades, according to this source, and again, let me just make that very clear, this is not coming from Apple directly, this is a um, established rumor source, if we could put it that way. But um, so what it, what it looks like is that there's going to be an upgrade on the camera um, of the iPhone 14 for the first time in quite some time. So, you know, so far we've, we've been used to the 12 megapixel camera on a, on an iPhone. But on the iPhone 14, that's going to go to 48 megapixels. 48? So 48 megapixels. Now, there are some caveats, though, because... Um, so according to this source, the uh, the sensor will be slightly larger, 57% larger, actually. Mm -hmm. um, now, and the individual pixels are going to be smaller, obviously, so that they can fit on this, you know, slightly mm -hmm. larger sensor basically and of course the impact that that would have because that's what that's just physics um is that of course smaller pixels will basically mean worse low light performance and and i'm guessing that apple are gonna deal with that through software 
So, well, <clears throat> I mean, I don't care what they say. Low light performance on it is is rubbish anyway. Now, because all they do is the two second exposure, and that practically, yes, if you are going to hold it still and keep it still and all of that for a particular shot, fine. It actually works all right as you'd expect it to work. It's just a longer exposure. But in practical terms, it's I turn that two-second thing off all the time because it doesn't work. It's just impractical. So if I hope they just don't do some, make it four seconds instead. Well, I mean, you know, whatever algorithm they're running in the background to basically clean up a picture, you know, there's going to be a, there's going to be an element of noise reduction and everything else that's going to come into that. Um, oh, yeah. You know, but... And, of course, that being said, you know, um, there are some examples, you know, on the desktop that basically allow you to do some really good noise reduction, um, you know, and uh, and take care of, you know, the sharpness that you never to be lose when you ramp the noise reduction up and so, and so forth. So, um, you know, let's let's see what the what the outcome is. Um, I think, I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing. The, you know... Um, Although that means, you know, everything that I've just said, according to the source, obviously, uh, only, though, applies to the Pro version. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think what Apple is trying to do is basically, you know, it sounds like they're essentially trying to, you know, throw out the carrot to motivate people to fork out the extra cash to, you know, to spend on the on the iPhone 14 Pro or Pro Max. Yeah, you know, with yeah, it does, does sound like what they're doing. Um, assuming it goes the way that you just described, but it does sound like a feature that should be on the pro version versus a regular phone version. You know? Yeah, I mean, I just remember the days where you know there was just basically one version and that was it. Yeah, but they, mean, do, you know, uh, the fact that they are well, uh, you could argue that they haven't really helped. They manipulated their prices in a way that. It doesn't really help, but the, I guess the idea was to separate them out a little bit so that the iPhone itself could be slightly more accessible um, with a cheaper price point, and then the Pro version would then be mm. more expensive than it was originally. I don't know. I don't know if they actually panned out yeah. that way or not. But. Yeah, that's definitely. I mean, that's a greater, you know, product palette out there. So that's you know, that, of course, there's all pros and cons. Uh, one of the things I found interesting though is that even on the basic models of the iPhone 14, again, this is just based on a particular source. Um, so it sounds like the, even the basic model will have a 6.7-inch screen, which previously was only available on the 13 Pro. Again, interesting thing. So their you know, basic we'll model is going to be 6.7, did you just say? Yeah. Well, they're 6.1 right now. The, the, the Max, the Pro Max, if you like, I think is 6.7. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. So and currently... It's too big. Yeah, I mean... That's, I don't want that in know, my pocket. <laughs> you don't want anything big in your pocket. Huh? <laughs> you don't want anything big in your pants. Is that no, I do not. No, there's not <laughs> enough. There's no room left. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, anyway, so I mean, we'll see. I'd be interested to see how much of this is actually going to turn out to be yeah, true. Yeah. Um, you know, um, but we shall, you know, we shall see. Um, Apple, if you are listening, do not get rid of your 6.1 screen. Just don't do <laughs> yeah, it. So. It's right. That's the right size for a phone. Yeah, I'm quite happy with the size of my iPhone at the moment. So, I don't um, want 6.7 as my standard now. No, no. Well, what's the Max version going to be? Oh, if they, they may not do it anymore. But 
this i mean speaking speaking of the taxes generally you know there's um there's, there's been a little bit of movement in the social media space as well of course you know as as probably everybody knows by now elon musk has just recently you know signed signed off on buying um twitter so he's spent how much 44 million dollars is that what i'm thinking I won, I, yeah on twitter so um that'll be interesting but apparently you know is that what the his most, bitcoin's gone into well, I mean, you know, famously, of course, Donald Trump got kicked out of um, of Twitter, and apparently, he's uh, he's now refusing to to return because, of course, he set up his own failing social media app. Because what is it called, the Truth app or something oh, like yeah. that? Um, something so, idiotic, probably. So yeah, so that's because uh, that's been um, full of yeah, you know, malfunctions and, and uh, whatever. So. Anyway, so that's, uh, that's interesting. Instagram are making some changes um, to the algorithm, so that they uh, they are favoring real accounts now, um, as opposed as opposed to those you know those accounts um, that basically pull in lots of content from other yeah. accounts. Um, so you know, apparently, About bloody time, Instagram. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there've been there've been a number of changes recently. Um, on Instagram, of course, in the way that they uh, used the algorithm. You know, we've talked about this, I think, a couple of weeks ago or something, <clears throat> two or three weeks ago, um, about how you can now set your feed so that it only shows you, you know, stuff from people that you actually follow mm -hmm. rather than any other, you know, random, random post. Um, mm -hmm. So they're obviously, you know, moving into changing the algorithm so it addresses some of the concerns that people have. And of course, you know, there's, well, they have to do something because the competition is yeah. over on TikTok. <laughs> By the way, if you are over on TikTok, you check us out. I'm going to camera check podcast on TikTok. <laughs> shameless plug. <laughs> shameless. Very shameless. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, cool. cool. Well, I mean, that's all I've got at the moment um, as far as news are concerned in the world of photography. And I know we're going to have to keep this episode slightly shorter um, this week, but we're going to be back next week with, you know, in full length, with full length glory. Um, but yeah, I think that's, she said. that's pretty much it. Yeah, man. All good. All good. Pleasure to cool. chat as always. <laughs> as always. I could just about, I'm, I'm actually holding back the drool in all seriousness on this side no, of the no, Not like, very successfully. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and on that terrible disappointment uh, and on that disappointment, you know, remember, if you do want to see me draw throughout this episode, you know, make sure you head over to youtube.com forward slash camera shake. <laughs> Otherwise, you can, as always, find us on all decent uh, audio platforms um, and, you know, hit us up on uh, on Facebook. Uh, check out our Facebook group, Camera Shake Podcast, and hit us up on Instagram and TikTok. Now, that's it. That's it. That was Episode 104, incidentally, exactly two years since we started this. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> the weather's getting better, so maybe in the not-too-distant future we might be outside. But uh, for this week, that is it. Yeah. Camera Shake Podcast, signing off. See you next week. See you later.